I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, the tennis podcast by fans. On today's episode... Nadal and Djokovic are set for the ATP Cup. Kenin leads the field in Abu Dhabi. And Sam Querrey finally gets a fine for fleeing Russia. A new season is upon us. It's a new season as well, of course, for the passing shot. But I think it is safe to say that I have absolutely no idea what is going to unfold uh, this season on the tour. Information has been coming out in, in drips and jabs, it feels like, over the over the Christmas break. But uh, hey, we're here. We've got some tennis to look forward to. But I do think it's safe to say this could be the most unpredictable season in the ATP and WTA calendars. Do you think that's a, you think that's a fair assessment? I would agree. I think whatever calendar or schedule we've got right now, it's probably going to change at some point. I'm sure there'll be a few cancellations uh, thrown in somewhere along the line and I mean, who knows what's going to happen, Joel? I have, though. We're going to be doing some predictions later on. And I, I have gone for some familiar faces for my predictions to bring a bit of certainty to what is <laughs> a very odd time that we're in. Um, it's been a month, actually, Joel, since I think we last released an episode. So I feel like I've kind of forgotten... I've forgotten how to speak, I think. I don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping, yeah, we just get through this episode uh, with, with no hiccups, um, let, alone the, let alone the tennis tour. But um, yeah, I mean, it is, it is a crazy situation we are in because we've got to, you know, two weeks to go, you know, we were WhatsApping each other being like, there's no, calen- there's no calendar out. And it's, it was really kind of, you know, let, let alone kind of thinking what it must have been like to be in one of the, the players' shoes, not, not being able to know kind of what your schedule is going to look like and almost kind of having to guess, make decisions very kind of very instantaneously. But um, yeah, we do, we do have some tennis to kind of sink our teeth into. We also are going to look at some of the big sort of tennis news stories that, that happened over um over the kind of the break between uh, 2020 and 2021. Um, but before we get into that, we just want to kind of raise just kind of a couple of things. Um, first of all, uh, thanks everyone who has supported our crowdfunding campaign over the uh, over the break. Um, we are now at our target. We've met our target. Hooray! Uh, of five hundred pounds. Um, we're still open uh, for I think five more days now. I think we're we're closing on the the ninth of January. But um, we are honestly so thankful for everyone to uh, who has kind of supported the passing shot. We know times are tough. We know um, you know it's Christmas as well. Um, but we are really kind of really really thankful. And you know of course there is still time to get involved and and support us. Uh, we do have our incentives. So we'll put the link in the description. If if you want to look at our uh, crowdfunding page and support us, or if you just want to do it kind of the old fashioned way, you can go onto Google and type in crowdfunder, the passing shot. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's been fantastic to see, um, you know, to see the support um, financially coming in. So thank you ever so much. And you know, I hope everyone had a, a nice Christmas break or as nice as it can be, you know, under the current circumstances. I know here in the UK, we've just entered a third national lockdown. Um, so it's going to be a bit, you know, for the time being. Um, so really hoping that the tennis happens. So we've got that to look forward to. Kim, also Santa, you know, was very kind to the passing shot. He gave us a brand new, gave us a brand new logo. It's given us a brand new uh, theme tune as well. Santa has been kind to us. So we've, we've at least had that to be, to be thankful for on Christmas day. Did you, did you get any other sort of tennis, ten, any other tennis related products? A tennis related product. Products. Products. I, I mean, present. Presents. Oh, I what see. Am I, about? Um, I don't actually. No, not tennis. But the the Rafa Nadal shop has just sent me an email to say that they're doing a big <laughs> sale. So maybe I'll treat myself to a New Year's gift. Um, get a, a Rafa Nadal mask or something. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward actually to getting back into it. And I think without further ado, Joel, we should we should kick off for today, and uh, yeah, and just kind of have a quick run through of, of some of the kind of news and updates because obviously like you said we've got kind of the calendar for the first few months of the year um released um the first thing that sprung to to my mind was that the wta have actually now renamed their tournament somewhat and uh, are now aligned with the the atp so it, gone are the premier mandatories the premier five events they are now wta 1000s um akin to the masters uh 1000s on the on the men's side and then we've got uh, WTA 500 events, WTA 250s, which were the international events. So for me, that was a good move. What, what do you make of the, the renaming? I think yeah. that makes it a lot more streamlined, don't you? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we spoke about the fact that, you know, one of the, you know, the talks of the, the season last, uh, you know, last year was about, you know, the increased sort of cooperation, I guess, between the, the ATP and WTA and whether... Uh, as Roger Federer put it, whether in his crystal ball he could see a merger happening between the two. But I think this certainly is gives sort of you know, credence to that idea that it, it could happen. And I, I really do like, I think it just makes it very much easier uh, for fans to just understand kind of what the tournament is, what's its significance, um, you know, where it is in the standing. Because, yeah, like the difference between Premier Mandatory and Premier I think is lost on a lot of a lot of people. So I think doing this has really kind of simplified it and and helped and kind of helped fans. Um, you know, again, just kind of coupled with that, we've seen some rebrands as well for the ATP and and WTAs. Um, so it feels like they're using this moment to really kind of um, get kind of tennis get tennis sorted for the this full year that we're going to have now seemingly still with the you know with the pandemic going on but um yeah i think it was kind of a very good thing to see and i mean that was kind of one thing that kind of caught my eye but i mean the other things as well i mean we're in this kind of you know unprecedented situation australian open qualifying is going to be in dubai and doha i mean that is that is wild, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I think that's purely a, a timing thing, isn't it? Because with the current um, dates for the AO, which it's due to start on the 8th of Feb, the players need to, you know, be in Australia like a good two weeks before that. So um, to, to host the qualifying, well, yeah, they're having to do it and then go off. So there's going to be, you know, a gap of, well, a good 
two, three weeks. So you're not going to get that kind of qualifying story of someone battling through like three rounds consecutively, then having to play, you know, two days later in the main draw. It's it's going to feel quite odd, but they just didn't want, you know, that many players traveling as well. It reduces the numbers that would need to go. Um, so, you know, it's purely practical. And the same, the same thing, you know, the, if you're in Melbourne and you can get a ticket, you've got got a whole load of tournaments coming up because you know if you look at the schedule for the Aussie summer of tennis you know forget Sydney and Brisbane uh, you've got everything at Melbourne Park basically I know in one I week know. alone you've got five events happening um which I <laughs> I swear Kim I got an email from the Australian Open being like tickets are now on sale I swear they were toying with me <laughs> I was like how dare they how dare they um Rub you know it in. <laughs> As I said, it feels like that is going, I mean, that is soon going to be kind of the, the center really for, for any sort of tennis because the ATP Cup is going ahead, which again, it I felt did raise a few eyebrows. You know, that's a, a cup competition. Um, does that, is that, you know, is that essential? Should we be focusing more on, on tournaments? Um, well, it is a tournament, Joel. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I, I feel like it was. I feel like tour events, like the the mm. the you know the knockout tournaments, not the team competitions, the ones that yeah. are sort of more individual kind of focus for me, maybe had higher priority. But you know, the, the ATP Cup, obviously in in its infancy, only been going one year. They would obviously be keen not to, mm. um, you know, not to have to to cancel it. So that that is going ahead. We'll be talking about that um you know in a bit later um one tournament that isn't going ahead though is indian wells where um you know california at the moment is not in a you know a good shape with regards to the pandemic so indian wells um is off the calendar at the moment it might be potentially uh later in the year but we're gonna have we're not gonna have a sunshine double kim we're gonna have a sun a sunshine single we're gonna have the Mi- <laughs> i think that Miami sounds good that is yeah, can we just invent yeah, it that? Like a cocktail, doesn't it? Sunshine single, yeah. Sunshine single. Well, and let's hope it is sunny. But um, yeah, let's hope that happens. But I mean, I, yeah, they've obviously got to be practical. Um, it, that's the the name of the game at the moment, isn't, isn't it? And I think they are going to split the site um, into three zones with different tickets. So if you are a fan and you're attending, and you've got two WTA events, two ATP events, and the ATP Cup in the same week, um, hopefully you'll know what tournament you're at. But uh, <laughs> that's a first, isn't it? Um, but one one person who won't be joining in all the fun out in Australia is Roger Federer because he has decided not to play. Um, still recovering from a knee, well, operation that he had last year. And uh, his team have announced that he's going to return after the Australian Open. So it's a good year, I guess, that he would have been out. Because um, out, I think the last time we saw him, was at the Australian Open in a in a competitive match. So, yeah. yeah, a bit of a shame for Fed fans, but I guess in the long term, you know, he's thinking about the Olympics um, and the rest of the season. You know, this is this is a seriously long, seriously, seriously long time out, isn't it? Um, and even, a, you know, a pandemic, um, you know, he's still missing tennis, even though we've had this, you know, this pause um, and, you know, this, you know, less events, etc. But yeah, I'd love to see him back on court. No doubt he's had you know reservations given you know the amount of time he's had off court he's had probably a lot of time to kind of think about you know is is this right should I be hanging up my boots um but you know I think you know as kind of a a general kind of fan I think no one wants to see Roger Federer kind of retire because 
he has to. We want to see him go out in a, you know, in almost like a blaze of glory. And, you know, whether that is the Olympics or, you know, when, when that, that will be, I hope it is in front of a crowd because I don't, I don't want to see, I don't like to see players sort of being forced to, into a, you know, a situation, forced to making a decision you know, because of something that is out of their control. Um, you know, uh, you know, we spoke about sort of the, you know, the Brian brothers kind of retiring and, you know, they, they, they were able to have, you know, their sort of farewell tour, but, you know, ultimately they were sort of, you know, forced to kind of retire by, by COVID. And I, I don't really want to see that happen to Roger Federer. So I do hope he comes back, um, after the Australian Open. It's a shame he can't be there for the first Grand Salmon year, but if there is one player in the world who can just come back after a year out and have a, you know, great time on tour. It's probably Roger Federer. Indeed, it might do him the world of good. And I, I'm, I'm intrigued though, Joel, when he finally does go, what he's going to bring out of the uh, his bag at the end of his final match, like a, a new kind of jacket, like he did with uh, his Wimbledon victory all those years ago. With the we have embroidered on it, like <laughs> retired. Twi- yeah, 2021. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of a shame um, for that perspective. But um, yeah, other news, I suppose. I mean, we've had a bit of a debacle, haven't we, Joel, with uh, one of the the hotels actually yes, in Melbourne they yes. were going to use for the players. That's I think that's off at the moment. It was the Westin. Uh, essentially, I think what happened is the tournament organisers uh, kind of appropriated use of the hotel without consulting the owners of the apartments uh, kind of in the penthouse suites at the top, who understandably probably wouldn't want, uh, I don't know, hundreds of tennis players from all around the globe rocking up using the premises for, you know, a good month. And um, yeah, they've they've kind of well, they're having, I think, discussions at the moment, but they're going to, I think, have to find a new location. So hopefully they'll be able to sort that out. But um, it's, it's just like an endless soap. It's like an, it's a soap drama, isn't it, at the moment? There's so much organisation that, that needs to be done. And I think there will be, no doubt, there will be some critics of kind of the Australian Open being like, look, you had, you had like a year to kind of prepare. You weren't in a mm. kind of situation like the US Open and or, you know, even the French Open where kind of scrambling for um you know what to do you've had kind of you know this amount of time um to prepare i understand that you know it's always been a moving situation with the pandemic and that has you know it's felt like that has almost kind of shifted the goalposts very frequently and that again is very hard to you know prepare for um but yeah it's uh (laughs) i feel like there's going to be more kind of controversies kind of coming um i think one of the issues the australian open has you know as as a a fan you know we've obviously kim we've been there us open you know that the us open is is on the outskirts of new york city is not it is not in the center whereas the australian open it is it is quite central and you know the the hotels uh, i assume are, are kind of central kind of locations as well and that probably adds a little bit more of a, a challenge to it whereas you know for, for new york for example they could they they just got a hotel that was in the middle of nowhere <laughs> it, it, exactly not in the middle of nowhere but you know what i mean um expression but also i mean for i mean i've not on the ground in australia i don't exactly know the local sentiment but um you know, the, the state borders between states are closed. And I think a lot of people were probably feeling a bit, you know, non-sports fans probably are thinking why, you know, we, we've got our borders closed, essentially. Uh, we're not 
you know, we don't have much freedom to move around the country yet. You know, all these um, international sports stars are being allowed to come in and, you know, obviously they are being very strict about it. They're, they're having for the, the two weeks um, of quarantine, the, the players are allowed to go out, I think, for five hours per day, uh, but they have to designate in advance um, their the, the, the practice player that they will be kind of, you know, practicing with during the first week. I think they're allowed slightly more in the second week. So it has been very well planned and thought out, but I'm sure there's going to be a few scandals along the line. Just on that, I mean, we've, you know, we've obviously been following some of the tennis players on Instagram over, you know, the you know, the time off. And, you know, we're seeing some photos that suggest, you know, some players are not adhering to you know protocol perhaps as as much as they they could um you know we've seen particularly with some american tennis players like you know jack sock you know john isner has been very vocal as well um on on twitter on, on his views and i i i do wonder whether sort of some tournaments might you know take potentially take a dim view on these sort of um you know these postings and these uh, you know these types of players and be like Hey, if they're going to be like that, I'm not going to have them. I'm not going to have them in my in my tournament. Um, I feel like there is more power. You know, there might potentially be more power now to, uh, you know, to tournament organisers to be like, you know, if you if you're not gonna if you're not gonna adhere by the rules or if you don't want to, then almost kind of don't come at, come and play it. Come don't come and play at my tournament. Um, I think that for me is kind of an interesting sort of thing that I think could potentially play out um across the season um because i think you know i think the issue is that yeah as you said it's kind of like it's a global sport there's players coming from lots of different cultures lots of different countries and they've all got their own sort of opinions and you know some are, are more adhering to um protocols than, than others and i think tournament organizers are going to have to take a stance on on potentially on, on some of these players and whether whether you know their risk to risk to their their tournament getting cancelled well, quite right. I mean, I know people, you know, in my life who have broken the rules, some have not, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's human nature at the end of the day, there's always going to be the rule breakers and, and those that like comply, you know, more than willingly. So, oh, it's a tricky one. But I um, absolutely agree that, you know, people should not be, um, you know, there should not be these transgressions, everyone should ideally behave. But I mean, let's, let's just think back to Sam Querrey, you know, on the run from from Russia, two days after testing positive, he fled the country. Um, He was given a suspended fine of £14,700 by the ATP for for that transgression. I mean, do you think that's strict enough? Um, You know, they, what what do you make of that? Do you think that they should have been a lot harsher? Because obviously, that's not really to someone like Sam Querrey, probably that much money. So you're probably going to take it, aren't you? Um, I mean, it's a suspended fine as well. So I didn't even yeah. think he's... Yeah, I think... I mean, I don't... Yeah, I it, I don't think it looks very good, to be honest. I think, you know, this was probably... You could have argued this is an opportunity to make an example of someone. Someone who, you know, <laughs> deliberately kind of flouted the rules, went covert, no one knew, knew where he was, and he flew, you know, flew back to america um so uh, you know i think they had the opportunity to um make an example of him they've i think with this sort of fine this level of fine that they've given him i don't think they have done that and as a result 
players might feel like they could potentially get away, you know, might be a bit laxer or, or, you know, get away given, you know, if, if the ATP aren't going to come, you know, hard down on them. I think the danger is that this is almost kind of set a precedent and, you know, what Sam Quayle did was really, was really bad. It was probably at the very kind of top level of what not to do. And, you know, if that equates to a suspended fine of, of £14,700, it doesn't feel like, you know, you're going to see players banned or um, not being able to play tennis if they, you know, they do some, you know, if they commit a, a transgression, because I felt like this, this was really much at the, 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 the kind of the top level, the more extreme sort of things that, that, that could have been done. Definitely. Um, no, we'll have to wait and see what, what, what happens. I'm sure there'll be uh well, we had the pair 11, didn't we, back in US Open? So any names on a postcard for what we might have this time around. But one thing, Joel, that I'm a bit peeved about um, as a tennis fan, um, there's no more live scores app. Um, you know, the joint WTA and ATP scores app that like literally every tennis fan probably has downloaded on their phone. It's, it's gone. It's it's gone. It, it's been replaced. I know. It's, I, I'm well, in mourning, Kim. I'm in mourning. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I woke up one day and I went on my iPhone and I went on the app and it said, you know, it, this is no longer in use. And it, baff, it really, did, it really did baffle me because for fans, we're now in this situation, this oh, terrible situation, uh, <laughs> for, for fans where we're having now to go to two separate places, um, oh, you know, to check, to check <laughs> scores, but also to add insult to injury. The WTA, they do not have an app. Um, they do not have a mobile app. And like, you know, we're, we're in 2021 here. And if there's going to be no, if there's going to be no app, how are we meant to kind of be as fans? How are we meant to engage with the draws, uh, you know, very quickly, very conveniently from our, from our phones? You know, Kim, we've, we've had great, great times on WhatsApp of me photo you know screen grabbing the qualifying draw for you know a wta event and be like oh so and so's playing so and so um i don't, I don't know it, it feels like it's harder it's gonna be harder to do that i don't know you know i'm gonna have to look into the the alternatives well I've, obviously the atp have their own direct alternative which is great and if the wta had one as well fantastic but um alas we're gonna i'm gonna have to like I mean, if anyone's got a suggestion of what to do, then please let us know because I can just picture myself like Googling and getting like a result from three years ago when these players played in that same tournament and then like just getting it all wrong. But yeah, I I just have fond memories of that app. You know, it's the first thing you go on to in the morning um, when it's sort of the tennis is happening and, you know, in the middle of the night somewhere. But um, we will see. I I assume it's rights and, you know, issues and stuff like that. contracts obviously meant that, that that couldn't carry on but kim i think when i wonder whether we should genuinely we should start like a change.org petition for bring <laughs> back the bring back the 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 atp wta live scores app i think you know i'm sure um that will make it into parliament to be debated <laughs> yeah. Top of the agenda with what with everything going on oh got to discuss this i mean fans yeah let's know how how are you coping without the the atp wta live scores app because yeah we're we're, we're we are at a loss um so I, I mean yeah i mean just kind of wrapping up on on kind of looking at kind of british news um we did have a sort of mini battle of the brits um over the christmas period um 
and um it was yeah it was it was quite good actually um i think the best thing about it was or or for me actually the most surprising thing about it was andy murray uh coming out beating dan evans and, and cam norrie in straight sets i mean i was not expecting i was not expecting to see that and to kind of watch the highlights um it, it looks like andy murray has not I know we know we know he's a tremendous competitor, but he has really kind of got to work, and you know he he knows the hard yards are ahead. But um, it was really encouraging to see those performances um, against players of, of Evans and, and Norrie's caliber. And um, I think for me that was kind of the, bit, the almost the biggest takeout from it was was Murray's form because yeah, it it did take it did shock me a little bit. Yeah, it was quite encouraging, wasn't it? Um, to see him have some decent wins. Um, definitely looked like his serve was um, much improved. He was moving better. Um, you know, it was there were tight matches. I think sort of seven six six four um, in well, both the matches actually in the set scores. But um, yeah, good, good wins to kind of I say round off the season. But um, I don't know really where it fits in with everything. But um, yeah, it was the Premier League of Tennis. They they named it uh, this time round, and uh, yeah, Andy did did very well um in terms of who came out on top it was it was done like a point system so um you know you got a certain number of points for wins over players of a certain ranking um and heather watson came out on top for the women's and uh anton matusevich came out uh for the men's side of things so um it was good to obviously to get a chance to see you know players like matusevich who we don't normally get to see um, Jack Draper was there he did very well as well so yeah it was a really nice event and hopefully we'll, we'll be getting more of these you know in maybe times like the off season or when there are suspensions on the tour um, you know it's been obviously a good good event and it was good that they got to you know stage another kind of festive edition of it so yeah very much enjoyed watching a bit of that in the run-up to Christmas. And and finally on, on British news as well I don't know Kim if you saw this this caught my eye because I thought this was a bit this sounded a bit odd and I'm still trying to come to terms I'm still trying to come to terms with it I don't know if any of our uh, British fans particularly kind of notice this but Queens um has got a the the Queens tournament um the you know the the grass court tournament in the build-up to Wimbledon um has got a new sponsor um the Queens Club Championships has got a new sponsor it's an online car retailer um and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name the sponsor but you know, it just it just felt a bit. You know, the Queen's has built up this sort of image of of premiumness and quality, and you know, very much um, you know part of a you know, the, the social calendar as much as the, the the tennis calendar. And it just very it just surprised me that um, I mean, I'm sure money was probably the the reason, but um, it just or it just surprised me that um, they would have a sponsor that didn't that for me didn't kind of fit in with the sort of premiumness and and the image i feel like they brought up they they brought up as a brand or, or developed as a brand over you know the last i can tell you're really five, annoyed years. by this job, well, just, just very surprised <laughs> very surprised I by it because in your day job you work with in branding day yeah, kind of so that's true. it must yeah. have really got your go um <laughs> i mean I, I, it's funny well we're not the bbc but I, we don't have to name them whatever um it, it's not as tasty a sponsor is it I, I was quite partial to be a fever tree myself so um i'm sorry joel that it doesn't meet your highbrow um regard of queens <laughs> but um, they've also done partnerships with a few other um I think Andy Murray's sportswear brand, they've kind of partnered with that. So I hope that's more to your satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just, for me, was a bit, it just felt a bit odd. But anyway. Um, yeah. So, um, that, that's, that's, that's it for kind of, kind of the, the British news. Um, and then finally, Kim, just going back to the Australian Open, um, 
we do have uh we did get some interesting uh double uh, interesting doubles pairing get announced um in, in the build up i mean it's, we've got ash barty who obviously wasn't playing uh much any well much last year she didn't, she didn't play kind of post the um you know coming out of the the pause um ash barty is going to pair up with jennifer brady for the women's doubles and i know you love a good kind of singles singles blockbuster pairing and i mean it can't get more blockbuster than that can it that's fantastic partnership i'm i'm really intrigued to see how how they will do and um ash barty did reach the doubles final uh back in 2013-14 with uh casey delacqua so i'm sure she'd be um wanting to to get that title at some point and uh yeah I mean, Jennifer Brady, obviously one of the, the, the ladies of 2020. So yeah, I'm very excited for that one. Um, but yeah, well, I think we'll just take a quick break now, uh, Joel, and then we'll be back uh, in the second half of today's episode, looking at the draws for, um, our first few tournaments of the year and making some probably very dodgy Grand Slam predictions as well. This is The Passing Shot. You're joined by Joel and Kim. And I think we're going to move on, first of all, Joel, to one of my favourite sections of the podcast. Mysterious player. We couldn't get rid of this one, could we? A classic fixture of of every sort of catch-up we do, yes. Mysterious player is back. Um, I have a brand new mysterious player for you. So for any listeners who uh, don't know what this is, basically I will give a set of clues to kim uh of a player and after each clue uh, she is invited to guess who the player is so kim are you ready for your first mysterious player of, of 2021 i am indeed and i <laughs> i'll be gladly invited to make my guesses so fire away do you, do you know with each with each one i'm always worried that i've picked someone we've done, we've done before um <laughs> feel like we need a list of all the ones we we've done but um okay right okay Hmm. Clue number one. I was born on the 12th of December, 1982. Oh, I love it when you throw the year in right at the beginning and I have to do the mental maths. Um, Okay, so they've just turned 38, I believe. Okay, so probably retired. Or maybe not, but okay. Next clue. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I achieved my career-high singles ranking of world 
number 20 on uh in sorry in october 2006 so i achieved my career high singles ranking world number 20 in october 2006 okay hmm so instantly sprung to mind players like Tatiana Golovan, who I think was supposed to be making a comeback. So she's probably a bit younger than that. And I think she was higher than 20. Uh, Anna Chakvatazzi, she was definitely higher. Um, hmm. uh, I want to say someone like Liesl Huber, but she's much older, I think. Um, oh. not Liesl Huber. Not Next Liesl Huber. Tree? My best Grand Slam results were at Wimbledon where I reached the fourth round in 2005 and 2006. Ooh. 2005 and 2006. This is like the years that I properly started watching. <laughs> uh, Yarko Niemann. Oh, that's a, it's a good guess, <laughs> but it's not correct. Is it? I remember this guy playing Henman quite a few times and having some five-set classics. Dmitry Tursanov. You are correct, Kim. Oh it was gosh, Dmitry Tursanov. <laughs> I was just <laughs> about to say, obviously, he's been coaching more recently. Yeah. But <laughs> yep. yep. So oh, my, my next clue was actually going to be, um, I advanced to uh, the fourth round at Wimbledon in 2005, defeating Tim Henman 8-6th. Uh, Eight six in the fifth set uh, before losing to Sebastian Grosjean in in five sets. Um, uh-huh. I remember that very well. I, my heart was truly broken um, oh. watch, watching that. But um, yeah, I, I was Dmitry Tursunov. Uh Other clues I had uh, re- officially retired from playing um, in August 2017. He helped Russia uh, to the 2006 Davis Cup title, including uh, including a very memorable. Uh, win over Andy Roddick 17-15 in the fifth to clinch the semi-final 3-2 against USA um, and yeah the final clue was I'm the current coach of top WTA player Arena Sabalenka uh, I don't normally get it like so so yeah. soon so that was yeah quite a good one yeah listeners how did you get on with uh, with Dimitri Tursunov? I uh, I'll have to um, start thinking of my one for you next week Joel Yes, yes, you, yes, you should. Maybe, can you make it actually? Can you make it as easy as I as I just did for you? Um, that would. <laughs> no, really I'm going to make me. it really difficult. <laughs> so yeah, so that was that was mysterious player. We're not going to do a passing shot mailbag because it is the first episode. But of course, listeners, if you do have a question for Joel and Kim and you want it to be uh, read out on on the show, you want us to ask something, make sure you you uh, contact us. And we'll see if we can read it out as part of the passing shot mailbag uh, in our next episode. Um, but let's let's move on, Kim, to kind of talking about the draws that have happened this week. We're going to start in the United States. We're going to start um, at Delray Beach, ATP 250, on a hardcore. Um, slightly odd, Christian Garin is the top seed, which feels a bit weird um, on, on, on a hardcore tournament. Um, but it's it's completely littered with, uh, you know, Americans as per usual. John Isner, the second seed. Cam Norrie's there from, from Great Britain. Um, yeah, it's um, it, it, it's probably I think it's probably more noticeable for the uh, the withdrawals it, it has had in in the build up because Andy Murray did 
initially take a wild card um and i think dan evans was also going to play but um they decided not to play it because they felt essentially it was like an unnecessary risk ahead of the the australian open no exactly um which is fair dues to them i mean are, are you not excited joel about thomas martin Echeverry? who's uh, in the main draw, possibly for the first time. Yeah, He's an well. Argentinian player and he'll be potentially playing Christian Garrett in the second round. I mean, it does throw up the opportunity for um, players that I have I've personally haven't maybe heard of. We've got Ji Sung Nam of Korea, you know, so it's... Um, it's interesting. Um, but and yeah, Seb, like Seb Corders, I'm kind of curious to see Seb Corders there. Oh, Obviously, yes, he did, did very well in the French Open Brandon last Garrett. year. Yeah. So I wonder if, I wonder how he can. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> going to be able to channel his, uh, his cat vibes. Yeah. <laughs> into Delray Beach. Um, I'm kind of interested to see, yeah, how, how he gets on. He's unseeded. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a sort of a classic sort of 250 American draw, isn't it? Um, but I do think it's it's interesting to, I think, hear about players not wanting to go um, because they feel like it's an unnecessary risk. And I feel like, you know, the fact that, you know, this calendar is all over, you know, it's all over the shop. We have you know tournaments in North America. We've got tournaments in the Middle East. We're going to have tournaments in, in Australia soon. Players are, you know, I think probably are taking a hard look at their schedule in terms of, you know what what is safe for me to do you know what is what is me what is not safe for me and yeah as i said for for andy murray and dan evans it was it was being it was more precaution than anything it wasn't to do with injury it was just like yeah it's just an unnecessary risk ahead of the first grand slam of the year yeah exactly but we do have um well we've got we've got um the Antalya open um which is another ATP 250 um Matteo Berrettini is top seed there um second seed David Goffin so fair few good names in there Fognini Borna Koric you know pair so um i think is i think your faves in it Joel as well is is Malik Jaziri on that draw yes. do yes. i see his name yeah Unbelievable. I mean, I mean, this is the best news, I think, to start 2021. <laughs> Malek Yaziri is in a main draw on the ATP circuit. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's got quite a difficult, I'm not gonna lie, he's got quite a difficult opening match against Alex Dumanor. But um, yeah, we, uh, I'm, I'm, I am, <laughs> yeah, I am quite excited for that. Because also, Kim, I know one of your favourites is in the top half, uh, Salvatore Caruso. <laughs> and I know we, I know we are both excited potentially for, for a final, final between yeah. Yaziri and Caruso, reigniting that round one Australian Open match that they that they had that went really late into the and night that we watched uh, with Agro. We, we watched to the was, end. Yeah, there was drama. Whilst everyone else yeah. was watching Dustin Brown behind us. We were like literally two of like six people watching that match. <laughs> Oh, that just makes me miss like late night slam <laughs> tennis and warm countries in the middle of January. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, we do also have the WTA event in Abu Dhabi, which is a very strong field, I must mm. say. Uh, for well, it's a five hundred event, but um, we've got four top ten players: Sofia Kenin, Svitolina, Pliskova, and Sabalenka, kind of headlining that one. Um, I mean, it's quite interesting because you got Sabalenka. You know, she was pretty much on fire at the end of last season. I think she technically is on a nine match winning streak. Um, we've also got Karolina Pliskova, who is now uh, coached by Sasha Bayin, 
and has historically done pretty well at the start of the year. I think she usually wins Brisbane. Um, in fact, I think she's won it quite a few times over the last few years. So whether she's going to be in the same kind of mindset at the start of this year, I don't know. Um, and obviously, Kenin, last year's Australian Open champion, um, could meet, I think, Garbina Muguruza um, in the quarters. In the quarters yeah. repeat of last year's Aussie Open final. So, yeah, it's loaded with names. It's, um, I mean, Heather Watson's there as well. Coco Goff as well is in, is yep. in there. Um, yeah. And uh, who else did I have my eye on? Um, yeah, Rai Bikina, who had, you know, she was probably the most in-form uh, player all across the ATP and WTA tours uh, before, you know, lockdown hit us yeah. uh, last season. Um, I'm interested to see how her, her kind of start of the season goes, because, yeah, she, I think she won like four titles, didn't she, before like kind of that break in in march i think um well she got something... a lot of finals I'm don't, i don't know how many maybe she won two or three titles but she was very informed yeah absolutely and we also have i'm just looking through the draw we've got martina trevisan um nadia Podoroska, fiona ferro so players that did very well you know on the clay at roland garros um you know able to get into these draws now and um yeah it'd be interesting to see if they can kind of keep that I mean, Pharaoh's maybe, you know, sort of different kettle of fish to the other two. But um, yeah, very much looking for that. Looking forward to that. So that gets off underway tomorrow. God, I can't speak, Joel. <laughs> Getting fatigued. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've also obviously then, you know, the ATP Cup field has been announced as well, which will be in February. But um, they have announced the um, 12 teams who are due to take place, barring injury or COVID or anything. Um, and as, as we mentioned very briefly earlier, we've got obviously Rafa and Novak headlining Spain and Serbia, respectively, but also got the likes of Dominic Team, Medvedev and Rublev. I mean, you'd have to fancy Russia there, wouldn't you? They've got a very, very yeah. good team of those two. So, shaping up nicely. Yeah, I was looking at the teams. I actually think... I think Germany have a really strong team. Yeah. I mean, because of Kravitz and knees. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> back from, back from the supermarket. Um, yeah, we've got, uh, <laughs> we've got, yeah. So, I mean, Zverev and Struff are very good, you know, obviously very good singles players. And then you've got very, very capable, uh, you know, two Grand Slam titles under their belt. I think, uh, Kravitz and Mies, um, as a doubles pairing. I think, I think for me, actually, they are possibly one of the, um one of the favorites um obviously you, you can't count out spain or, or serbia france potentially as well i mean monfils who you know was probably you know he was um you know came had that match against djokovic last year showed that he was really kind of getting back to his best but you know sort of kind of curtailed by you know injury for the rest of the season but i'm interested to see how he does i mean Monfils, Pet, Mahu, Roger, Vaslan. I mean, that's got a good doubles pair as well. I mean, there's some good, there are some very, it's a very high quality field, isn't it? It is. And I'm, I'm looking at the Greek team as well. And we've got two Sitsipasses. Um, I, is Petros his younger brother? Yes. I, mean, I, think, I should yes. know that, shouldn't I? Um, but they've also got Mikel Per, oh gosh, Pervolorakis, Marcos Kalovelonis, Kavalonovis. Oh, that's, I'm going to have to, perfect um that nearer to the time but um yeah it, it's it's looking like a good field i'm quite excited for the atp cup actually um, i'm glad they're doing it again um and obviously that week's going to be absolutely hectic with the amount of tennis going on so um very much looking forward to that um which brings us joel to kind of the end of the podcast and we're going to be making some incredibly bad predictions for 2021 like we always do 
I mean, I feel like this year, is there, can we have a disclaimer to say, you know, usual circumstance, usual, usual conditions are not applicable. So if we make really out there predictions, then it's a bit, <laughs> bit more acceptable. I don't know. We've had so many first time winners at what the French Open, uh, French Open women's uh, Grand Slam. Um, I'm, I'm happy. I feel like there's going to be inevitably there's going to be some first time, first time winners again this season. We've also got the Olympics as well. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, as as is passing shot tradition, let's make some terrible predictions for the for the season um, in terms of our four Grand Slam champions um, for the men and for the women, assuming they all go ahead. Um, so we, where, where should we start? With? Should we start with the Australian Open? Who have you, who have you gone for as your your men and women champs? Oh well, I mean, having said that, I have gone quite mainstream. I think with uh, with my predictions. <laughs> I mean, I've gone for Novak. I mean, it's Australia. You know, I I can't really not go for Novak. Um, on the women's side, I've gone for Naomi Osaka because. Obviously, the the last hard court slam that we had, she was sort of on another level. And if she carries on with that form, I think she will she will do it again and claim her second uh, Australian Open. What about you? Mm. Uh, so I I agree with you. I I have gone. I think you can't. I just can't not go with Novak Djokovic um, for the the men's title. Um, I think I still I do think Dominic Team will be his closest competitor but i think novak djokovic will win for the women though i am going a bit rogue i'm gone victoria azarenka um, oh, no i mean i'd very much like to see that yeah um you know she had that obviously great run at us open and um yeah and she had a pretty pretty strong end to the season i know she lost to sabalenka in a pretty one-sided final um in i think in that in at the end of the last season but um yeah i'm going with azarenka i just kind of fancy her to kind of continue her form from last year i really hope it wasn't sort of a, a flash in the pan moment i do think that she can kind of continue that into this season but um yeah i'm going djokovic and azarenka nice nice um so roland garros i mean <laughs> i've gone also extremely conservative with um my predictions here um i'm going for a 14th for rafa which I mean, if if one thing in tennis can happen every year, that that's Rafa winning the French Open, then I, I don't ask for anything more than that. Um, and then I've gone for ooh, someone I feel should have won it last year, um, and that is Simona Halep. I'd really like to see her do do her stuff on the clay again, and um, and actually kind of. I mean, yeah, she's in such good form leading into the tournament last year, and it was kind of really only Sviontek that stopped her. So yeah, I'm going to go Simona. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Simona Halep. I think she will she will have that she'll be fueled, I think, by you know, that shock shock result last year. Shock of the shock of the season, really. Um I think that will kind of spur her on and she'll I think she she'll feel like she's got unfinished business there. I know she's obviously she's won it before, but I think if she'll she'll look back at kind of you know, her time on court at Roland Garros last season and be like, look, I want to, I want to go because I want to go ahead and, and win it. Cause I, as you said, she was in great form, like before the tournament, she was great for inform during the tournament. It's just that she met an, immov- an immovable object in, in Sviontek, uh, in that, in that crazy match. But, um, yeah, I'm backing Simona Halep to, to come back and win the women's trophy. In terms of the men though, I am going for Dominic team. 
Um, I think I think it is time. <laughs> I know this. I know we say like this every season. Uh, like we think it's you know we think it's time that you know the the it baton is passing from Rafa to someone on the clay. Well, Kim, I think it's going to be twenty twenty one. I think Dominic team is going to be full of beans, going to be full of confidence from twenty twenty. Um, you know he's got the monkey off his back in terms of you know winning his first Grand Slam at the uh, U.S. Open. So I, I think he's going to go and do the business on the clay because I do think I just do think he is. You know he's the closest. I think I think him and Nadal are like uh, you know uh, there's distance between those two and you know Novak Djokovic personally. Um, uh, you know on on a clay court. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go Dominic team. Yeah, and I mean. Uh- team did kind of run out of steam didn't he after the US Open last year which I think really did hinder his chance at the, at the French but um, no I think that's a really solid pick I mean in terms of Wimbledon though Joel I think Wimbledon I found the hardest one to predict um, I mean assuming it's going to happen obviously we didn't have it last year so we're going on grass court form from two years ago um, I've been <laughs> very predictable again I suppose on the men's side I've gone for Novak Djokovic um, multiple champion there I mean, obviously, if Federer is back by then, you've got to put him in the mix. But is he really going to be of of the level required? Um, it's so hard to say. But I'm gonna I'm gonna hedge my bets and go for Novak. But in terms of the women's side, I mean, I was thinking about Svantec. I feel like her Ooh. game would be very good. Um, Interesting. But I, I don't feel she's going to win another Slam this year. I think she's there's going to be a bit of a a delay. I don't want to sort of suddenly be like, oh. Um, So I've gone for a former champion that I think might resurrect her form like she did a a bit last year and put, you know, seven solid wins together. And that's Garbinia Muguruza. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I've a question mark on on my... (laughs) I saw saw that. You're not sure of that that answer, are you? You're like (laughs) 50-50. Well, yeah, 10%, 90%, I think. But, <laughs> oh, what about you? I have gone, um, I, I agree, again, I agree with you on the men's side. I've gone Novak Djokovic. Um, yeah, again, I just think, I just think he'll, he'll just go ahead and, and win it. It probably with consummate ease. Um, even if he comes up against Roger Federer, I think it would, you know, it could just be three sets, but I think. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go Novak Djokovic for Wimbledon and then, I'm going to go for Serena Williams. I've gone with a former champion, but I've gone with Serena Williams for the women. She's just got to win another Grand Slam. She's just got to, Kim. And I think if I look at all the all four, I, where is it most likely to happen? I think, I think, I think Wimbledon is the one it could is most likely to because I just don't think there are as many sort of competitors um, that can reach that level on a grass court. Um, you know, unlike say at the US Open, um, where there are, I think, are a lot more better. There's a lot more players who are very good on a hard court than on a grass court. So I'm going to go Serena Williams for Wimbledon Women's Champion. Nice one. I mean, I, I've been putting her down the last couple of years and I thought oh, she's not done it. So I'll, I won't go for her this time. Um, but I, mean, I do want to see her obviously get the record um, and this year is kind of as good a year as any, really. Uh, I mean, in terms of the US Open final slam of the year, um, I've I, I've gone for this player because I I kind of thought, well, he's got he's probably going to win one slam this year. It might not be this one, but if you know if he's 
is bound to probably get one, and that is Dominic Team. I, I've put him down to defend his title. Um, I mean, I think he could quite well do it at the Australian Open, like you said, but um, I've gone for Dominic Team, And for the women's side, I've gone for a player who I don't think will will actually maybe play very much tennis this year. But I think when she does play, she's gonna she's gonna bring it like she did before. And that and that's Bianca Andreescu. I think she's gonna take another title there. Should she be fit and able? Kim, <laughs> I, I I saw that and I genuinely I thought you'd had too much whiskey or something oh, when you wrote no. down that answer. Because I don't think she's gonna even play like five games this season. But she's she, had like time off. Like, surely she's all right now. <laughs> you think so? I, I just I just have no I just have no idea. I, she's probably one of the biggest she's probably one of the biggest unknowns kind of going into the season is is her form because because of how little tennis she's played so uh, i think that is a very very bold very bold and out of the out of the uh that would really be a a a surprise story for me but um in in terms of my my picks um i'll go with my less controversial pick first and that's with the women i've gone with naomi osaka um Mm -hmm. i just think again i think she just loves a hardcore and um uh, I don't think there's going to be a game many players who can compete on her level and she just loves flushing meadow so I think Osaka's going to do the business men though are gone slightly slightly rogue I'm going to say Sasha Zverev is going to okay. win is going to well, win the men's title it last year <laughs> yeah he he almost he won won it um he almost won it of course last year in that in that Marmite final against uh, Dominic team um, in five sets. But um, yeah, I just think, I think he's, he's slowly getting there. And I think by the time the U S open rolls around, I don't think anyone's going to be talking about him. He's just going to go through the draw. And then I think he's going to kind of switch on for him and, and he's going to be able to kind of realize his moment and be able to win um, his first, his first grand slam. Because now that, because I, I think, you know, now that team has got the monkey off his back in terms of um, winning his first one, I feel like that pressure is probably now transferred to to Zverev, and um, that may be the the kind of the talk you know of him going into Grand Slams. We know his Grand Slam record has not been that great, but at the same time, I always feel like he's a contender. So yeah, I'm going to go Zverev as my U.S. Open champion. Interesting. None of us have gone for Daniel Medvedev, who could well be in there as well but um i mean we've also got the olympics due to take place this year joel obviously delayed from last year so i feel like we should credit that with a a prediction as well um do you want to go first on this one i've i'm uh still deciding (laughs) yeah i'm i'm happy to i'm gonna i'm gonna go for uh i've written down and I don't think it's right. I'm going to change. Actually, I'm going to change what I've oh. written down. And I'm, I'm actually going to say your answer because I think it's oh, the right one. Oh, it now. Oh, I see how this is. No, I want to um, go first now. <laughs> uh, I, no, I, I, I actually agree with you. I think Dominic Team uh, could win, will win the Olympics. I just think, I'm just thinking more about his, like, his record in, in particularly in best of three sets. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that he... He's he's very good at kind of you know in in that in that format we saw that at the World Tour Finals where he beat Nadal and Djokovic and um, yeah I, I think it, you know outside of a Grand Slam format he's probably definitely one he's definitely up there as one of the best players and I think 
I think he will go ahead and, and win it, even though I know we've we've spoken about him in the past because he he does he he does give off the impression that he, he's not actually that bothered about getting a gold medal in tennis. But you know, if he turns up, I think he he wins it. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, it would probably be quite ironic because originally he wasn't going to play the Olympics. But I think you know now he's been working with Nicholas Masu and obviously it's all been rescheduled anyway. I think I think he does intend to play now. So I just thought, well, the irony is he'll probably turn up and, and win it, um, especially if, yeah, maybe he's not as bothered. But he won't have any sort of pressure on him. Um, I mean, for the women's, I went for Ash Barty um, because I just... For me, I feel like it's going to be a player who's really, you know, such a proud flag bearer for their country and has the potential to just sort of blitz the field for, you know, 10 days. And she came to she came to mind. So, yeah, I think Ash Barty's going to string it together and do it for Australia. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, that, those are our predictions. We'll we'll revisit them at the end of the season, depending on how, on how good they are. Um, one final one final prediction we're going to do, which we haven't done before, is we're gonna we're gonna do a, a like a, a passing shot predict. We're gonna do a passing shot statement. So this is a statement that you think will come true this season, um, outside of you know grand slam champions and all that so i'll i'll go first uh my statement is roger federer will come back to participate at the tokyo olympics and then will retire um his final match will be at the olympics and he will retire once that event is over Oh, immediately after then, he wouldn't play like the US Open or ATP finals. I think he's going to get injured and maybe he won't say that. Maybe he won't say that, but I think maybe. Fair enough. I think think that's worth a shout. I think that's got a fairly reasonable chance of that happening. Uh, I'm going to say that, uh, maybe I'm saying this because I want it to happen. Yannick Sinner is going to win a Masters series this year. <laughs> he's going to win one oh, of the Masters. Oh, that's a great I, one. I won't say which one, but he's just going to mm-hmm. win one somewhere down the line. Interesting. Uh, yeah. You weren't, you weren't going to go for um, Felix Auger-Aliassime will finally win an ATP oh, final. I um, hope he does. Yeah. That'd be nice. Actually, I, I probably should have said that. Um, and, and maybe, actually, can't, can't I just have one more? Bianca Andreescu will play less than... 10 matches this season I think. <laughs> gosh <laughs> actually that well, sounded a bit negative that sounded a bit negative didn't it <laughs> no i mean it, it's going with with the form book at the moment so well, i don't know when true. we'll see her back yeah. but um yeah, anyway listeners let us know what what you think maybe you've got some statements out there that you think you know that that could be a good one to suggest um let us know let us know what you think of our terrible predictions um <laughs> and we'll also we will be bringing back our collector set predictions challenge before each of the grand slams so definitely watch out for that um i think that draws us to a close for today joel yes the party shop will be here for this season so make sure you subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice to keep up to date on the tennis news with joel and kim we're on apple Podcasts, spotify 
Overcast, Castbox, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast will probably be on there. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you enjoy listening to us and you listen to us on the Apple Podcasts as well, make sure to leave us a rating and comment. We would really appreciate it. And tell your friends as well. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Um, we're always, we always love having new listeners. So, um, yeah, if you enjoy us, spread the word. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. So if you don't already, then do give us a follow so you can see uh, all our updates throughout the course of the weeks. And you can also get in touch via email, passingshotpod at gmail.com. Do let us know your thoughts or if you've got any questions for our mailbag section. And we'll be more than happy to hear from you and to uh, answer any questions you may have. But for now, we will uh, be back uh, for another catch up once the first round of tournaments comes to close. And we'll also be looking at Australian Open qualifying as well. So that will probably be later on next week. So look out for that. Uh, But for now, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Passing Shot and we'll see you again soon. I can't believe we we've got through a whole episode without talking about Nick Kyrgios. Oh well, I was just about to go and get another whiskey, seeing as you thought I'd been on it when I predicted, um, when I predicted what was it, Rafa to win his 14th French? No, oh my! I mean, genuinely, how many whiskeys have you had already? <laughs> Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com <laughs>